This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Blues Focus podcast airing weekly on YouTube and all good podcast channels including Spotify and Apple Music. Uh, I'm Kieran, I'll be your host for this episode and joining me this week I've got Elliot um, and we're going to get straight into it to controversial and opinionated matches from the last week, Huddersfield and Fulham. Elliot, what were your opinions on the Huddersfield game? Um, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> <laughs> um, what was my opinion on the Huddersfield game? Um, it was just a typical home performance this season, I think. Um, I kind of looked at the fixtures before football sort of... Uh, resumed after lockdown and I kind of looked at them and I thought, whole Huddersfield, yeah, there's two games there, we'll probably get some points, you know, ease our way out of uh, possible trouble at the end of the season and uh, we'll have a nice end to the season. And I thought, no, this is Birmingham City, that's not going to happen at all, is it? Uh, what are we looking at? Joint worst home form in the league this season. Um, the only... The only statistic that's keeping us from being the worst home side in the championship is the fact that we scored about, I think, two or three goals more than Hull. Um, so I could see it coming, to be honest. Um, but it was a little bit depressing, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, following on from the, the Hull disappointment on Saturday as well, definitely. And you think that it happens every time as Blues. You come up against the most out-of-form team in the country and they always... Always, Wigan was the time before that beat us one nil on. Is it New Year's Day? I think it was. I think um, it was three two, wasn't it? Nil three one. Yeah, yeah, it was quite a bad one. Always, always struggle at home against these sides, and I don't think it out. We didn't have a crowd, but we just collapsed, completely collapsed. Players were, dare I say, spineless. I think. Where do I you think? Know? Yeah, I think I think you've got to start with how we've played at home all season. I think, like like you just alluded to earlier there with the Wigan game, it, that game was coming, that result was coming. When we played QPR at home, and we lost, I think, 2-0. And I think we registered one shot maybe on target all game. And you think, 
as a home side, we should not be playing like that. You know, if if we were at QPR, you know, we would be coming under some some huge pressure at some point in the game. But we we for some reason are unable to do that. And I've had a look through a lot of our home performances and just statistically how we've got on. And I think if you have a little browse through just very quickly, the games where we've struggled at home tend to have been the games where we've had most possession. We're not a very good side with the ball. And a lot of sides know that. They come to St Andrews and they just say, have the ball. Have the ball and try and break us down. And when you can't break us down and you've um, you know, come forward, we'll just counter-attack on you. And for some reason, I mean, the QPR game was a perfect example. I think both goals were counter-attack goals. I think one of their players run 60 yards and none of none of our players could catch him. Uh, some, even the Mill game, we drew one all. Again, counter-attack goal. I think it's, it's either usually from one of our corners or if Montero's crossed the ball into the box. It, we always seem to get we always seem to get done on a counter-attack and a possible goal. I think Pep has just been very naive tactically this season at home. And I think you're reason, completely right in saying that clubs know what we're about. You look at the results, yeah. the results we pick up away from home compared to at home, and it just goes to show that we do not know how to take the game to a team. Another team. We can't do it. We're counter-attack. We have been for years. We was under Monk. We, we, we was under Rowett. You look at the managers who've tried to change that in the past few years. Zola failed. Pep Clitet failed. We don't have the squad. We don't have the, the talent in there to do that. And the talent we did have decided after a few games that he didn't want to be here in Villalba. Because the only game you could say we played at home this season and really stamped an authority on it and looked like a good football inside was Middlesbrough. And even then, we nearly balls that up. Yeah. You know, to be saved by Odin Baylor in the last minute from a a game that we really shouldn't have ended up with a draw. We almost did. So, you know, it speaks volumes. It really does. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's just a soft underbelly to the side. Um, and like you alluded to earlier as well, that, that I think there is a question on the character of some of those players, um, one or two. Uh, I don't want to name names and I don't want to start um, attacking individual players because that's not not what I'm about. Football's a team game. And and also, you, I think most of the um, most of it should be put on Pep. I mean, he's the, like we were saying earlier pre um, pre podcast. You know, he is the person that motivates these players. He is the person that sets these players up, and he's the person that gives them confidence to play to their full ability. And I don't think there's many players in that team right now that are playing to their full ability. Unfortunately, no, I agree, and I think that it, you know, with the whole Pep situation, is it's easy to say now that it's been announced he's leaving that you know the players don't want to play for him anymore. He's not going to be there next season. I mean, to be honest, you could question how many of the players that are there playing at the minute will even be there next season. You've got Clark Salter, who, if rumours are to be believed in terms of what we're looking at doing in the transfer market, we won't be signing in permanently for the value being quoted. Hogan, will he stay on? Now he's firing the goals in. Will a higher championship club have a look at him in the summer? Possibly. 
Um, Pedersen, Sunjic could leave, probably will leave. Jude, I think, is obviously, if rumours to be left, already leaving. If not, he's bound to go. Um, players that we've released are all gone. You know, are, are they all are they all done now? Is end end start this month, wasn't it? The contracts are up. Magoma, um, Keita, yeah. Stockdale. So you've got in the transfer market. What do we do? We've got to bring in players that I want to play for the club. Doesn't matter about the money or the the position they want to play, and they'll fight every game. But then, how can you prepare for that when we don't know who's going to be in charge as well? But yeah, I think I think the blame does rest with Pep. I think, obviously, ultimately, the players out on the pitch don't want it. They don't seem to want it. They don't seem to... They seem to have gone into the restart thinking that we're already home and hose, not going up, not going down. And I think that's the wrong mentality to go in with. And it's shown in the performance on Wednesday against Huddersfield. They've just... It was depressing to watch. It really was. Yeah. Um, I mean, Huddersfield, like I said earlier, I could see it coming. I mean, I was surprised by the scoreline. I thought we'd be a little bit more competitive than that, but unfortunately not. Um and like you say, I think it's the mentality of having come back and thought, well, we're safe. Uh, let's just see this season out. Pep's not going to be here next season. Um, one or two of those players are probably not going to be there next season. Uh, and they're kind of just going through the motions. You can see it. Um, and and now, obviously, they, they've now had a bit of a uh, a, um, a reality check, shall we say, that we do have to pick up some points now. Um, because we can't, like we said earlier, rely on Wigan getting their 12-point deduction. Um, although it looks certain, um, we know what the EFL are like. And if they've got any, um, you know, if they do appeal it, although I'm sure they can't appeal it, they have to have the, d- the deduction first, um, we could be in for a very nervy last day. Again. I mean, we're always used to these situations, but... Is it one um, only one season in the past five or six where we haven't gone into the last day battling relegation in one form or another? And again, this season, again, like we said, like you just said, we could be in for a nervous last day. Derby, the team we play last day, fighting for a playoff spot, we could get yeah. torn to shreds in that game. Um, I think. Um... Yeah, Derby are the most informed team in the league right now. Um, I don't fancy having to get anything on the last day um, to secure survival. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm amazed that it's got to this point and the club of uh, 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 a lot of people said on Twitter, and I agree, they have managed this extremely poorly. And it's no surprise um, that it was leaked that Pet was going to go. And we're in this situation, to be honest. Yeah, I I think, like you say, people on Twitter and, and they've got the right the right idea is it it can't help. And if the plan was, like you said pre-podcast, was for Clitet to go at the end of this season, why not do it in the restart if that was the plan? 
and and let the the squad and the club move into the restart with an idea of who's going to be in charge going forward, whether that's an appointment till the end of this uh, at the end of the season, and give the players something different, you know, a new manager to to kind of impress. Whereas I think with Clotet now being until the end of the year, the timing was wrong. The I think you know and. I think even just the announcement, the fact that it was a mutual decision, you know, Clotet's gone to the board and says, I want to do this. Why have we decided to keep him on? If that's the case, okay, you know where the door is now, is my my opinion. We should have let him go there and then. If you, if you want to find something elsewhere, then you're not the man to, to take us through the last nine games when we're not entirely safe. And I think yeah. that's reflected on the pitch at the minute. Yeah, yeah, it's a mess. Let me just go and sort these blinds out. Sorry, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's a mess. I mean, we could talk about it all night. Um, I think, like we say, the club's managed it poorly. I think they live in dreamland if they think that you know they're going to have Hugh and and Joe Kanovich lining up to take the job. Um, you know, at the um, resumption of the season, um, I think realistically that's probably not going to happen. Um, and now we're in a situation where people are now calling for Pep to go, give the job to uh, the assistants um, to take us through the last few games. Um, but yeah, moving on to what was it Saturday, Fulham. Um, I thought, I thought. Um, I thought the first half performance was really good, obviously. Um, could have scored one or two goals, are unfortunate. But I think in the end, they got what they deserved, really. You know, 22% possession. Uh, I think they attempted 200 passes all match. I mean, it's pretty pitiful, to be honest. Um, and again, I was, I was saying to someone the other day, it's, we're, we're just not able to compete. We're just not able to compete at a good level in this division at the moment and haven't been able to for a few seasons. You know, it's, it's ridiculous that, we, that we're that we going into games. Uh, I think it was, what was it, the first game of the season at, at Brentford? I think we had about 21% possession, I think it was. We had one shot on target, one shot on goal when it went in. And it was I a header from Brentford outside the box as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're never going to see another, another goal like that. And... And I think uh, I think Brentford hit the post or the woodwork twice before that goal, and and I thought after that game I thought yeah okay we're three points better off than Brentford, but I know which side's going to be near the bottom and which side's going to be near the top after that match. Yeah, you know it's yeah. it, and that and although they won, I just felt I thought it's going to be another one of these seasons, and it has been. Well, we were saying pre-podcast, wasn't we? That um, you know. We well, we touched on it earlier. We don't know how to take a game to a team. We've always been a counter-attacking side. We soak up the pressure. We you know we rely on the likes of well, last year it was Che Adams, wasn't it? But a player with a bit of pace and a bit of something about them to drag us out of the muck. Nine games out of ten. Um, but when you watch us against Fulham on Saturday and you see that we're doing what we used to we used to do it and still not getting anything from it. I think that speaks volumes about what is going on at the minute because usually you'd see us take at least a point from that Fulham game. But I think 
like you say, first half we were fantastic. Not well, not fantastic, but you know we put a shift in. We had a few chances and we created something. And Fulham, I think, would have had the more difficult. Scott Park would have had a more difficult half-time team talk than than Pep would have because we was taking the game to them a little bit in terms of what we created. But second half, it was so so different to what we saw and. I don't understand yeah. how we change from first half to second half like that so often under Pep. So often yeah. it's it's. I don't know what season hasn't it? Yeah, we do. It's concerning to think that in the space of you know you're going for a half-time orange and they come out completely different players. It's it's concerning. It really is because I don't understand what is going on to for to change so so easily we was there's been games in the season where we've, we've gone in not that half time uh, same as Fulham all we you know, on Saturday we're, all we're lacking is that goal yeah. and and we come out in the second half and I don't know do they get stage fright do they do they go out and it's almost like they now expect something to go wrong I I, I don't I just don't understand their mentality because oh, I for a lot of the season, particularly sort of midway through the season, Pep came across as a, as a coach that was willing to take a gamble. You know, we saw, you know, 5-4 against Leeds and 3-2 against West Brom. He, he wasn't, it felt, he was throwing on like-for-like substitutions. He wasn't throwing on six defenders at the end of a game to try and hold on. We were trying to, to win a game of football. And, and I actually respected, I respected that. I mean, I've never been so heartbroken in all my life after we lost that Leeds game. It was unbelievable, yeah. but 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 he gave it a go. He gave it a go, and we saw some really good attacking football that day. But but then but then to see what I saw Saturday, I just thought, well, what is what is it that you are trying to achieve? It just comes across as a desperate coach right now, desperate person. And I think sorry it, to interrupt a bit, but, but before I forget, while you while you say that, if you've got a manager throwing on two extra defenders going into the last 20, 25 minutes. Does that not show that he wasn't the right man to take us into the running if we're looking over our shoulders? Because that, to me, like you say, we've gone from actively trying to win games, whether or not we're the better team, we've gone for it. You know, Leeds and West Brom, the prime examples again. We're nowhere near their quality. Nowhere near. The league shows that. But we run them all the way because we went for it and we had a bit of attitude and a, a bit of desire to get something. Whereas now, he's playing for a point. He's actively playing for a point in a game where, and like you say, we got what we deserve. But if we're going and playing for points against everyone now, and we're going to get our just desserts in most of the games, surely he's not the person who should have been in this position with seven, eight games left. No, I don't think he should be. I think uh, as soon as it was leaked, there should have been an announcement and he should have left. I mean, we could have thanked him for all his time and his efforts this season and we could have just had uh, Robinson or Gardner in charge. But but the problem is, and I think I, I, I look at it from the, uh, the owner's point of view as well, had they done that and we'd gone on and lost nine on the trot and gone down, they would have been absolutely slaughtered for letting Pep go. And they could have said, well, he could have stayed in the job for nine more games and just stayed to get the ship steady. It, it is a really difficult... It's, it's one of those things, it's, a high, it's in, high, in hindsight, 
Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah, it, yeah. It's a very difficult decision. Once that information was leaked out that he was going, uh, it's a very difficult situation for the owners to say, right, what do we do? Do we just hope that he steadies the ship and we just see the season out and we say thank you very much and goodbye? Or do we let him go now and we potentially go on a very, very bad run and there's a backlash? It's a, it's a very difficult... Unfortunately, he stayed and we've gone on a very bad run or we've been very poor. Well, it's interesting you say that because, and it's not often I'll defend the board because I don't, I don't think I've got one positive thing really to say about them. But that situation, as you say, as you explain that, is really a lose-lose situation for them because you keep Pep on. If we, you know, we're struggling, so the, the question marks are: Why didn't he go when it was an when it was leaked? Why didn't we just say right enough's enough? We're going to bite the bullet. Then that's that. And obviously, again, yeah. the flip side of that, if he did do that, Gardner or Robinson take over for nine games and we go on this run anyway, the question will be, well, why didn't we keep Pep for the last nine games? So I suppose they can't really win with that decision. That's probably the, the most positive I'll ever be about, about Dong and the, and the others behind the scenes because he knocks yeah. out. Yeah, that's for another podcast when we've got a longer. <laughs> I know. But, I think... I think um... I think if we move, all right, let's move on. For I think we should move on from the Fulham game. I mean, I think we've covered it. It was it was just one of them games. We we knew that I didn't expect anything other than a defeat. I think the manner of it was just really disappointing, and, and I think that the approach in the second half was very disappointing. And, and I think it's kind of summed up quite a few games for us this season. Um, but I think going forward, like in terms of um, the next five games. What do you expect from Wednesday night? After seeing the last few games, I expect absolutely nothing from Wednesday night. And that's me being as positive as I can. But, um, was it last season against Swansea when we absolutely, well, their keeper put in an absolute wonder of a game. He was incredible. And especially at St Andrews, and we should have got, you know, we could have had, two, three, four, five goals in the first half alone, which is classic blues. Don't take the chances. Yeah. But I think they've just they've gone about the restart the right way. You know, they've they've not let the, the lack of a crowd or or anything like that affect them. It's the same lineup as it was before and same style of play, same message to the players. You can see that when they play. Go out there, enjoy yourself, knock it around. And and when you've got a player like Brewster up top, who's who's proved already he can score goals in the championship, you've, you've always got a chance of winning the games. Whereas us, I just feel like we still lack an identity this season. Oh, we yeah. wanted to it's play. Been, it, yeah. We brought Klopp into transition to some fancy football. We tried it for a game or two. We thought this isn't working out. We'll go back to long ball again with Duke as the target, and and that's not it's worked either. It's the same. It's the same tactic, isn't it? Direct football, bypass the midfield. You know, it feed off the knockdowns. But you the, know, problem, the problem I've seen, so, especially in the past few games, is that if you're playing the long balls, but then your centre midfielders aren't. We haven't got the midfielders at the minute feeding off Djokovic in the way we should have. When you're playing, you know, Sunjic and Keeft together in the middle, that's great away at Fulham, for example, because. They can sit in there. You can let your your wingers and your your forwards bomb on. But 
they're not going to feed off the knock-ons and especially at home you need someone like Crowley in the middle if you played in behind Juki be in, in, in and around the areas where them, them flip downs are going to get but to rely on Hogan to be in three or four different positions all at once in case anticipating it it doesn't work the same way as when we had Chai last season and I don't know if it's because the players got different messages in the summer was that like I say he was going to play fancy football Villalba was coming in Crowley was coming in this is how we're going to play it was ideally it was going to be wing backs at first which lasted all of what about half an hour <laughs> you know and oh, no. back to the direct ball but the whole dynamic of the squad had already changed at this point the the people who we had the, the numbers that we had Montero the idea was to to play this expansive football and now we've gone back to how we were and yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem we have the right the right idea. So pitting us against Swansea, who know exactly what they're about and they're still chasing the playoffs, I, I don't have a good feeling. But what about you? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, I completely know where you're coming from. Like, I think we're at, we're at the drawing board, aren't we, again? And I think we've been at the drawing board probably since... <laughs> Christmas probably turn of the year and uh, it like you say uh, pre-season it was five at the back it seemed like he wanted to copy the Wolves and the Sheffield United model uh, that lasted about five or six games I think it was just after the Barnsley win or I think we went to Swansea and got hammered 3-0 yeah. I think they quickly dropped that those um, early away games were embarrassing but we won't touch terrible. on those anymore <laughs> no um, <laughs> and I feel and then I think you know, and I think the recruitment's not worked this season. The recruitment's obviously not worked. There's been one or two players that have been okay. Um, Hogan's been uh, an absolute saviour for us since January. But you know, in terms of some of the Spanish players that he's brought in, they've been an absolute flop. And uh, and I and, and that I, I place that responsibility with the, the manager. It's him. It's he and his staff that bring these players in. Um, and it's just not worked at all. This season's going to be in the complete and utter failure, to be honest. And I think if we keep away from any last day uh, drama, we were um, we'd have done all right, actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Obviously, there's question marks about who makes the signings and stuff. You've got to think that Clutter and his staff will have a say on what they want, because at the end of the day, they they are to the fans anyway. Whoever. Again, rumours Donk set as an input, but he's the one who puts the eleven out, so he knows what he needs. He knows what what depth he needs in the squad. On a you know, i.e. two, three wingers, for example, if he's going to play fancy, expansive passing football down the line. But it's just like you say, not worked out after signings. I think even question marks over the ones that start week in, week out. Now Crowley, yeah, he's had a good couple of games until the Fulham game. I thought he was a bit. Off the boil. I mean, I could say that about a couple of them as well. Again, I know we yeah. lasted till the 95th minute. We still folded. But there's still question marks about him. Does he fit in the system? He doesn't fit out wide on the right, if you ask me. But no, it's too again, lightweight. Again, he's, does he does he want to be there next season? If he's obviously coming. We beat, if we beat PS, was it PSV we beat to his signing? If we beat a European, so. yeah. if we beat a European club to his sign, and we've sold, we've sold him a dream. Same with Sunjic. Yeah. If we've beat AC Milan to him, we've told him that Premier League football is going to be, well, would have been about a month away now if it weren't for COVID. But 
Instead, he's spending the next five games looking over his shoulder, thinking, am I about to end up at a League One club <laughs> in in three weeks' time? It's I don't I don't understand the ideas and the decisions that the board and the manager and his staff have ultimately made. No, I think it's been it's been um it's been a bit clueless to be honest. It's been a let's copy someone else's model. Um uh, oh no, we don't have the players to suit that. Uh, let's bring in a load of Spanish players. Um, let's bring in a Spanish under twenty three coach. Let's bring in a Spanish assistant manager who have all since left. Um and and all the players have left as well. Uh, uh, you know, let's be honest, Alvaro Jimenez was probably like a, a little version of Hogan. And then we finally got Hogan on loan because he wasn't getting any game time at Stoke. Um, I just I can't wait to see the back of this season, to be honest. No, I think it is interesting you say about the idea was from the off. Or, you know, we both said it was five at the back, wing-backs. But, and then when you think that the only centre-back signing we made was Clark Salter on load. Yeah. And we were short of centre-backs last season. So to yeah. just bring in one player in that area when you wanted to include an extra player in the starting eleven in that area, the recruitment was wrong. Whoever's in charge of it was wrong from the off because they got their numbers completely wrong, what was needed. And I think moving on from that and touching for the next five minutes or so before we have to wrap it up on manager base again, you said it previously, you don't think Jukanovic and in the likes of Hewson will be lining up for us. My question is, if what they say is true and Jukanovic would be interested if the money is there, obviously for himself included wage-wise, do we want a manager who only wants the job if it's motivated by the money he gets paid? Or do we want someone who wants it because that's where they see their themselves next season? I mean, yeah, exactly. I think if we're going to, we haven't got a squad for a Joe Panovich. There's no point getting a Joe Panovich in and paying two million a year with the squad that we have and the amount of rebuilding that we need to do. We need a coach that's going to come in and develop the players that we've got, develop the younger players that we've got, create a few more pathways from the uh, the under 23 development team into the first team. And we need him to develop some of the players we've actually brought in that have got potential, like we touched on Dan Crowley, Sonjic, still really to sort of you know, persuade me that he is a, a decent footballer. He's had some good games. But anyway, yeah. So, I mean, maybe at the moment, we're probably looking at managers potentially still in a job. So, obviously, there won't be an announcement now for another three or four weeks until everything's wrapped up. You know, we could be looking at Lee Bowyer. I do believe that he is open to coming. Um, I know he's probably not, he's not their first choice. Um, and then, obviously, the intriguing uh, um, news the other day, Lee Johnson's been... Uh, relieved of his duties at Bristol City, and uh, the fan base is divided be... on him. I've seen on Twitter. What do you think? Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm for it. I think I, I've seen a football at Bristol City have played firsthand, and I've seen them tear us apart. Um, and they, they've got no better players than we have. Um, and some of the players that he's brought through and, and improved and they've sold on, you know, they've got 25 million, I think, for Webster. Doesn't get a look in at the moment at Brighton. I think they've got, a, they've got that, uh, over 10 million for Josh Brownhill, who went to Burnley. You know, they uh, there's another player, Aidan Flint, Joe Bryan. 
Well, we he's, spent he's months bought... chasing Flint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we, were, you know, they've got big money for these players, and these are players that he's brought on and made a lot better. And they seem to have a system. They seem to have a, a you know, a philosophy and a way of playing football. It's something that we've not had. Well, I can't remember the last time we had a philosophy and and, and a way of playing. I think it's interesting to say that he's got a philosophy and, and obviously the idea was Pep had a similar philosophy to what Johnson does. You know, we, we've said it numerous times in the past on this podcast, you know, attractive football as they call it. But for me, I, I can't help but think that we're always better off. It doesn't matter what the football looks like, the possession, the stats at the end of it. What matters is that you, the scoreline is in your favour and, We've always been better with a manager who just goes out, gives the player the idea, this is your defensive duty, this is what you do, this is your attacking duty, this is what you do. Win it however you see fit, if it's direct football, if it's you know whatever suits us, we need. But we, I think the last time we had an, an absolute philosophy was probably with what Rowett was doing. Probably. Yeah, I agree, yeah. I think, you know, he, he came in and steadied the ship after we got annihilated by Bournemouth um, yeah. and ever since then you, you've seen he slowly developed it to how he wanted and you've seen that at Millwall now they pick up the results I think Monk had the start of a philosophy but I don't think he was ever really going to be in it for the long run so yeah, that was wasted I think now I'd be for Johnson personally I don't really like the bloke, if I'm honest. I don't know what it is that I don't like about him, but there's something about him that I've never liked. Um, But you can't deny that he knows, like you say, Bristol City are no better than us. We've shown that when we went and turned him over in uh, February time, I think. Yeah. Um, They're no better than us, but everyone went into the games against them thinking they were. And I think that's down to him, the football he played. Can it be any harm bringing in a manager like that if you're going to give him some time? I think I think our options at the moment is a, an untried manager like Lee Bowyer um, or Gareth Ainsworth, you know, someone from lower down or a more tried and tested manager that gets his sides finishing in the top half of the championship on a regular basis. I think at the moment I would probably go for the latter uh, as much as I'd like to see a younger coach with, uh, you know, potential, um, I think I'd rather have a coach that, you know, uh, even someone said Mick McCarthy, you know, I wouldn't be against someone like that, but his football isn't on the same level and I think it wouldn't end too well, to be honest. Um, but yeah, Lee Johnson, I, I'll give him a thumbs up. As much as I don't like the guy as well, I really don't like the guy at all. He's got some proper small man syndrome. Uh, issues going on there but um, I like I like the football he plays and that's all that matters and I like what he does with, with bringing and developing players into the first team Yeah and I suppose ultimately you see it with Jude this year as they're saying he's got to give more chances to these youngsters I suppose that's one of the things the board's looking for so I suppose yeah. you could say in theory watch this space with that but that's all we've got time for today Um, Again, you can watch us on YouTube weekly, catch us on Spotify, Apple Music. Um, Thank you, Elliot, for joining me today. Um, Follow us on Twitter at Blues Focus Pod. Uh, Send us your questions in. Spark a debate with us on there. 
you know, we're happy to have a chat. And we'll speak to you all next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.